Welcome back, Richard. It's good to see you today. Good morning. Good morning. It, it, it is an early morning. We're, we're recording a little bit earlier this morning than usual, but that's because we both have a couple things going on today. And um, what better way to to wake up early in the morning than to talk about social media again? <laughs> well, fortunately, people are listening to this at uh, probably during daylight hours. M- many people would say this is the middle of the night, but right. um, you know, it's almost lunchtime. Yeah. Um, happy November, by the way. You as well. You as well. Here we are uh, two two to go. That's right. For this year, if you, if you plan to do it in 2023, um, the clock is ticking. That's right. It's uh, it's winding down. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, but this week we're going to continue our conversation from from last week, actually, where we talked right. about uh, we were talking about social media and we talked about you know some of the concerns um, related to sleep and and you know what kids' uh, use of social media and and just electronic devices in in general is having on their um, on their lives. And we mentioned that. You know, 42 states and the District of Columbia are all filing a suit against uh, Meta, the the parent company of Facebook and Instagram, um, accusing them of developing systems, developing platforms that are knowingly what they call addictive. Um, We kind of talked about the word using the word addictive uh, in this situation, but they're saying that Meta knows that they have these tendencies and to 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 lure um youth in um and they're using it anyways right right it's a filed suit right and everybody's familiar with the details um and we all experience the allure of the internet we all go down rabbit holes and you know we we all understand that part of how alluring how um how interesting how captivating the internet can be uh, what we're concerned about is that, and, and what this lawsuit is about, is that teenagers and and those kids we call tweeners, the almost teenagers, seem to be especially vulnerable because of the, of how, what their brains are doing at the at the time. That they seem to be especially vulnerable to these obsessive uh, to to become obsessed with. I, I hesitate to use, to use the word addiction because. Um, but that's going to be an interesting part of the lawsuit is how we might redefine how we talk about addiction because of this lawsuit. But teenagers are vulnerable, especially vulnerable for two reasons. One is because of the way their brains work. Teenagers' brains activate the emotional parts of the brain before the thinking parts of the brain, which probably comes as no surprise to teachers and parents. Um, but also, it's during your teenage years that you're really searching for social relationships. Um, that's what we do. We start to separate from our families and we start to hang out with friends and, and other people become more important. So the teenage years are an especially uh, important time for social relationships. And so for those two reasons, teenagers seem to be especially vulnerable to the allure of the Internet. Right. And then and we stumbled onto this new this other article. Right. That was in Fortune magazine. It was published at about the same time we did our last podcast. Yeah. And the, the title of it was Teens Are Spending the Equivalent of a 40-Hour Work Week on Their Devices. When you put it in that context, you know, yeah. teenagers spend eight hours a day on these platforms, not doing schoolwork, entertainment platforms. Um and then, and when you think about it, that's a forty-hour work week. Yeah. So the, the their 
analysis or research suggests that, again, not school-related work, but just recreational use, that teens were using about on, on their devices about eight and a half hours a day. Right. Eight to 12-year-olds were on about five and a half hours a day. And, and so when you, when you look at this, you were talking about and we're talking about across seven days so exactly. talking right. you know 40 to 80 hours um of time on screens for some some of these kids and remember 80 40 to 80 hours this is out of 168 hours there's only 160 yeah. hours in a week and so we're they're, they're spending a quarter of their time on their devices a quarter of all of their time right right uh, and that's just that's not the time that they spend doing schoolwork or right. doing other things. This is just the social parts of, of these devices. And so it's a really a sobering statistic. There are 168 hours in a week and kids could be spending up to 80 hours a week mm -hmm. entertaining themselves, essentially, right. uh, talking to other people. That's half the week. Right. I mean, it's half of the 168. Okay. And so the, what the, the there are two problems with this that we see and that we want to talk about. One is the brain gets good at what it does repeatedly. Right. And the more time you spend doing a thing, the better you get at it, whether it's an athletic event or sewing or cooking, you get good at what you do. And so the first question is, what are kids getting good at if they're spending 25 to 50% of their time on social media? What are they getting good at? Mm -hmm. Um, the other problem is that when you um, when you spend that much time, when kids are spending that time, they're spending it alone, usually in their bedrooms, and not feeling very good about themselves. Right. So it's not just that they're missing out on other things, because if you're spending 60 or 70 hours a week doing one thing, it means yeah. you're not doing some other things, you know, you're giving up other stuff. Right. But also, what is the quality of that experience? And and what the lawsuit is going to talk about is that there are too many kids who are just spending this time alone worrying about themselves and feeling distressed while they're on social media. Uh, absolutely. And and the re that research has been out for a long time now. The, right. the research that says that social media is almost anything but social, that, yeah, right. that right. the more the tendency is, the propensity is that more people... The more people use social media, the more lonely they they report to be. Right. So so people who um, who are always or constantly or very frequently on social media tend to have higher rates of reported loneliness. And right. so even though they're on these social quote unquote social um, media devices or or platforms, they are they feel more lonely than ever. And and this research came started coming out maybe even before COVID, um, but certainly um, was was even more so um, prevalent uh, during those COVID years, um, and it just continues. Right, you know, and and the we were uh, having a, we were out with some friends uh, the other night, and we were talking about how much more difficult it is to raise a teenager today than it was just a few years ago, and then we stumbled onto these these statistics. Yeah. Um, and just in 2011, so th it doesn't seem that long ago, 2011, right. um, about um, about a quarter of kids yeah. said that they were spending um, 
a lot of time, um, 95% of time on social media. Well, well, no, in, in, in 2011, 23% or about a quarter of kids ha- even had a smartphone. That's yeah. And that, that's, I, you, I don't know you. Well, of course they came out of what, about 2010, 2009. Uh, yeah. The smartphone. Right. So. Yeah. Something like that. It, but it was, you know, 12 years ago, only a quarter of kids had a smartphone compared to last year where 95% of teenagers had a smartphone. Right. It's like the significant increase. So what that means is that in a high school of 1200 kids, virtually every one of them carries a cell phone. Right. Yeah. And and 10 years ago, only one out of four did. Right. Right. Yeah. And and now, you know, 46% of teens today say they use the internet almost constantly. And again, just eight or nine years ago in 2014 and 2015, only a quarter of teenagers would say the same thing. So again, a significant explosion in the use and availability of internet and and smartphones and social media uh, platforms and things like that. So it's what we're concerned about is that it's not so much even the device or that social media itself causes mental health problems, but there certainly seems to be some relationship between the two because in that same period of time that we've seen this significant increase in in the availability and the use of devices and social media, we've also seen a significant increase in loneliness and in um, reported symptoms of depression and anxiety and and certainly school-related issues and, and relationship issues. All kinds of problems are also significantly increasing through that same time period. That's right. You know, we often say people people tend to blame the pandemic, but everything suggests that kids were starting to struggle about 10 or 11 years ago. Um, right. And again, it's not because of the devices, but we noticed a trend in everything we measured, whether it was suicide rates or dropouts or school problems or personal problems. We noticed an increase in... Um, in mental illness, uh, symptoms of mental illness, beginning about 10 years ago. The pandemic certainly made it worse, Mm -hmm. okay? So there's some kind of a relationship. We don't know exactly what it is, but but we know there's some kind of a relationship between this excessive use, Mm -hmm. that's how we think about it, rather than addiction, this obsessive use of technology and especially social media mm-hmm. and the increases in um, mental health issues, especially among youngsters and teen- preteens and teenagers. Absolutely. And, and it seems as though the problem is in two areas. Right. And, and, and this may make intuitive sense, but the first area is what they're not getting. And, and that is that they're, they're not getting as much sleep. They're not exercising as much. They're not. And, and what we're especially concerned about is that they're not getting as much face-to-face real in real life, IRL in real life, social right. interactions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the other hand, th- there's a lot of stuff that they are getting that is problematic. So they, right. they are becoming more lonely because they're spending more time alone. They're spending more time sort of um, sequestered into their bedrooms and um, they're getting more, becoming more distressed. And we've been talking about the distress that social media and some of these platforms cause ever since Facebook came out. Remember we, we talked about um, how 
the more that you scroll on Facebook, the more distressed you become because you see everybody else living this wonderful, their wonderful lives. And, and you become distressed about what's happening in your own life. And so it happens to adults. It happens to teenagers. And so we have these two, two avenues that is happening to youth where they're not getting some things that they really need. And they're getting a lot of things that they don't need. Right. You know, and, and it's not a new problem. I mean, a, right. a generation or two ago, um, there were concerns about children who watch too much TV. Right. You know, in fact, there's a character in uh, Willy Wonka, Uh, a boy who, you know, watched TV, there are books written about that. Um, And so it's not a new problem, but it's a much more difficult, much more complex problem, because now, you know, you couldn't carry the TV with you. Now you carry it with you. And so it it is literally there 24 hours a day. So two problems. One is what they're not getting, what they're, what they're sacrificing. And the other is, um, the the type of um, time the the effect of um, this this um, alone time the kids right. are sequestered in their bedrooms and getting more and more distressed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the problem is the problem we see is problematic use. Okay, right. and no matter what happens with this lawsuit, there we're not going to be able to get enough government regulations to control this. Right. The, the, this problem is squarely in a parent's lap and it's parents who are going to have to manage this right. regardless of what the regardless of what the laws or regulations might say right because i mean i mean in in, in reality let's think about what it would mean you know it, for the for the government for regulations to be present to do something about it what we would what that would mean is that we would be we would want our government to say no you don't have access to certain mm-hmm. things and and we don't want that because you know that, well, that's what China did with TikTok. Right. You can only get TikTok what, for an hour a day or something in China. Yeah. It's only well, on for. Absolutely. And, and other countries have done the same thing with different um, social media. Um, you know, there, there are some countries that have banned um, Instagram, for example. And so and we don't we don't want that here in the United States. Um so we can't rely on the government and sanctions and, and rules like that, because I, I think that most of us would vote against right. laws that, that prohibit use of certain uh, certain things. And so, as you said, it, it squarely falls onto the parents' shoulders then to do something about it. Yeah, I don't think the government is going to is going to exercise the control or set up the guardrails uh, right. that it is going to be a parent responsibility. OK. Right. And so what are parents to do? Well, the first thing is um, our brains seek equilibrium. Um, And that's the first thing parents need to think about is that we want to get back to some kind of balance, you know, everything in moderation. Okay. And anything that tips that balance in any direction is probably not good for us. Um, I think of ultra marathons and those sorts of things, even too much running is, is not good for you. Okay. Um, And so rather than, Rather than thinking about addiction, we think about this use as compulsive or problematic use. And that's what we want parents to address is stop thinking about addiction, whether they are or they're not, and start thinking about problematic use and what we should do about that. And there are kind of two approaches you can take. One is you can go to any professional organization, uh, the American uh, Academy of Pediatrics, the American Psychological Association. And most of these organizations, uh, medical and mental health organizations, 
have established very clear guidelines that parents can follow. Got it. For example, APA. Mm-hmm. Right. They they have very specific recommendations. Um, and, and what I what I appreciate is that those recommendations, they, they continue to massage and adjust them over the years to to fit what those expectations are. You know, right. after after covid, you know, there is that recognition that, OK, now students are have to rely on electronic devices, even as young as kindergarten. Really, I mean, they're using iPads and and you know tablets and electronic devices for their education, and so they have to keep adjusting those rules to fit what's happening in in society. But you know, the what they talk about is we have to be mindful of how much time the kids are spending on their devices and how much um, supervision is being provided um, before you just give them free reign to go and do whatever they want to do. That's right. And with the APA guidelines, um, the the first couple of guidelines are really directed at this 10 to 14 age group. And they're very clear about that. And they say, you can't just hand a child between the ages of 10 and 12 or 10 and 14, one of these devices that's connected to the internet and all that the internet has to offer without some training. And so they liken it to a learner's permit for for learning to drive a car. That in those first few years, you have to have some guardrails in place so that kids know that you're watching, know that you're monitoring, and that you you, you let this privilege out a little bit at a time. Having a cell phone today, having access to the internet today is very much like having access to a car. You need to learn how to how to do it properly and safely mm-hmm. before you can take the keys and and drive uh, make a cross country trip. Absolutely. And I think what I think it makes me um just pause is, is that these recommendations are, are for 10 to 14 year olds. And right. You know, and a lot of what we're talking about, of course, is social media and, and access to those kinds of things. And I mean, when I mean social media, I'm talking about anything from YouTube to TikTok to Instagram to, to all of these things. Right. Most of those social media um, platforms, um, when you sign up for a, for a for an account, mm-hmm. you, have to, <laughs> you have to testify that you're at least 13 years old. <laughs> they're, so, so we're we're talking not... about creating guidelines for kids as young as 10. Right. And let's be realistic. There are some kids younger than that that have access to these social media platforms. Right. The platforms aren't even are acknowledged that they're not even designed for kids under right. the age of thir- at least for under the age of 13. Right. 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 So, so kids have this access, but they're not even again. It's like giving a 13 year old the keys to the car and saying, let's go ahead and let me start teaching you how to drive. You're not even supposed to be driving yet. But as I was doing this, I was thinking, okay, so this 14-year-old walks into a bar. Right. You you wouldn't dream of giving them access to that, but you give them access to this, to to this internet, okay? And so that's the first, we have to be very careful with the 10 to 14-year-old crowd. And then the second and third uh, recommendations from APA is they've got to be turned off by nine o'clock because kids are not sleeping well. Okay. And they freely acknowledge, they said, these devices are getting in the way of sleep and they have to be shut off by nine o'clock. 
Mm-hmm. And, they, and recommendation three is they can't go into bedrooms. You know, right. when your kids say, well, I have to have my phone because I use it for an alarm clock or I use it to play music. Don't buy any of those excuses. OK, they nobody need nobody. Nobody in the family needs a phone in the room after nine o'clock. And this is something that families have to have the courage to do and say, no, none of us have our phones after nine o'clock. We lock everybody's phone up. None of us need our phones after a certain time. Right. So parents need to lead by example. So NAP is very clear about that. The rest of the recommendations are about training um, older teenagers Mm -hmm. uh, about the Internet, about their brain, about why, you know, about the uh, how they're experiencing this thing at a very personal level. And so we call that psychoeducation. Um, You you have to teach them about social media and and educate them about its dangers, its benefits and its uh, and its uh, dangers. Absolutely. So so let's talk a little bit about so you can go to these different organizations and you can see what their guidelines and recommendations right. as far as us our practice what what we talk about when we work with families and, and kids and parents um about these issues is we have a few very specific things that we talk about and, and one of them is the the 68 hour rule um right. back in march of this year we did a podcast on the 168 hour rule we'll have a link to it in the show notes so that you can check that podcast out but we talk in that podcast. We talk about a, a you know, a, an activity, a um, an approach that you can take in working with your your teenager, or your preteen, to look at their week. There's 168 hours in a week, um, and there are things that you have to do in that 168 hours. You have to sleep, for example, and if you get eight hours of sleep every day, um, that's eight hours times seven days a week. That's 56 hours. So you take 168 hours and you minus 54 and and you see, okay, now you have 114 hours left. All right. right. So what are you doing with that time? Well, you spend seven and a half hours a day, five days a week at school and right. you subtract that. And so you just go through and you look at how your time is budgeted and then you make a, then you figure out um, how much time is left. Um, yeah. You take into account all these things. And, and what you find is that like, you know, Again, we go back to that very first thing that we talked about. How in the world do you have eight and a half hours a day to spend on on, on devices? There's no way that you should have. Uh, if you sleep for eight hours, if you're at school for seven and a half hours, th- I mean, you have maybe eight hours left in the day. Right. You're spending that entire time on devices. And that's the problem. And And the other problem is if you're taking eight hours, you're probably stealing time from something else. Absolutely. And what what kids are stealing from is sleep, chores, homework, and other sports and other outdoor activities that they should be doing. The things that parents and kids fight about all the time. That's right. And so we advise parents, think of of time like money. Mm -hmm. You know, there's only so much of it. And so once you've spent it, there is no more unless you start stealing it from other places. Absolutely. Again, there's only 168 hours in a week. And if you go through this with your child and go through their week and you start subtracting what they should be doing, you're going to end up with a far less than eight and a half hours of free time. Right. Absolutely. So so when you're when you go through that activity, that that 168 hour um, rule activity, you know, you think about what else your child is doing? You know, you talked about chores, right. talked about, um, 
you know, we, we can talk about exercise. We can talk about participating in sports or just other extracurricular activities, things that kids should be doing, especially right. elementary and, and middle school kids. Um, by the time kids get in high school, you, you know, those that continue in sports and, and those some of those extracurricular activities tend to be those who want to continue on into college right. or, or after high school. But during, especially during those early years, you want to make sure that kids are involved in some of those activities. Um, and, you know, if you're at dance class, you can't be on social media. That's right. You need to be, they need to be engaged in some of these other things. That's right. If you're at baseball practice, you, you're not going to have, well, you shouldn't have your cell phone. And, right. and so the, the more activities you're involved in, the less time there is. So parents need to, parents need to be very mindful of that. And they need to have the courage and the initiative to say, no, you need to be involved in some other activities. They don't have to be structured team sports, but they have to be there have to be other things that are imposed. And I use I say imposed on children so that they're doing those things. Um, kids should be doing chores. Kids should be doing helping around the house. They should be doing other things than than that that use up that 168 hours productive things. Absolutely. Um, they shouldn't have that much free time. Absolutely. Now, the second thing, big recommendation that we make is we need to avoid spying on our kids. And, and this is, man, so many parents struggle with this one because they feel as that they seem to feel as though it is their right as the parent and as the person who pays the mortgage to be able to go in and snoop and dig through their kids, uh, you know, space through the, right. they dig through their phones and everything. And there's a difference between monitoring and spying. And, right. and we we encourage against spying because, you know, if, if you can't trust your kids, they just shouldn't have access to the device, period. Exactly. That, you know, if you don't trust your child, then don't give them the phone. Right. Don't give them the phone and then spy on them and find out where they're going. If you don't, if there's no trust, then just take the phone. Just don't give them the phone. Richard, I, I had a session with a family the other day, and um, the 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 kid was looking up some things online that he shouldn't be looking up. Um, teenage boy, I'm not going to say what it is, but you know what it is. Um, and we're trying to figure out how to how to stop him, how to block those things. Well, kids are savvy, and every attempt that has been made, every program that's been purchased, every app that has been purchased, everything that has been done to try to lock some of these things down, he has found a way around. Right. Um, and he has either found a way around it or, you know, Google is a wonderful thing sometimes and someone else has found a way around it. And so you just Absolutely. type it in and somebody will say, these are the steps you take and this will, you know, um, this will take care of it for you. So spying only breeds mistrust. It, 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 fosters anxiety in both the parent and the kid right. um and and again you just really can't do anything about about it unless you just address it straight out so um you know you you need to you need to monitor you need to watch right. what they're doing you need to have conversations with them but again it, it just basically comes down to if you can't trust them and you can't um, believe that they are going to to take care of their you know use and monitor it appropriately, then they just shouldn't have it. That's right. I call it the enigma paradox. I had a, yeah. a family where they didn't, the parents didn't want 
their children to know that they were spying on them, that they're reading all their messages. Yeah. Well, so what do you, so you can't use it anyway. You know, when I talk about the enigma paradox, Winston Churchill knew what the Germans were doing, but he couldn't, he couldn't um, warn his troops because then the Germans would know that they had broken the code. And that's the way it is with parents. You know, you, you have, you have all this information coming in. First of all, it's creating anxiety. Mm-hmm. Second, there probably isn't much of any value in there. It's teenagers doing teenage things, but you can't do anything about it except worry. Okay. So if you, if your child is being unsafe, if your child is communicating with people that he or she really doesn't know, if it's a safety issue, take the device. Okay. But short of that, if you don't trust your child, take the device. If you do trust your child, trust that they won't get into trouble with these devices but don't don't spy on them don't go through their stuff okay right. um let them learn how to use it help them to learn how to use it put limits on it stop you know shut the device off at nine o'clock lock it into a right. safe if you have to there are other ways for you to control this right absolutely now another thing that we recommend is um electronic fasts you right. know having a period of time um, where you just don't have access to them. Now, we're not right. talking about taking them away permanently. We're not talking about taking them away for a month or more at a time um, mm-hmm. because that's, again, it's just not really realistic. But right. but having periods of time where they don't have access, right. it, it is okay. Right. Electronic fasts work, but unless it's really critical, it's going to be a hard sell to take your child's phone for two or three weeks because because of fear of missing out kids right. kids kids need to stay connected today they need to keep up with they need to keep up with each other okay right. and none of us like that and we wish they didn't but they do and so um if you take the device and shut it off and i would i would not recommend an electronic fast until the, unless there's a really serious problem because there's going to be pushback and this this could it could be a problem the other thing with electronic fast is it's not one and done um it's something you're probably going to have to do repeatedly so just because you do a fast it's not going to fix things forever it's only going to fix it until they need to fast again absolutely and and i think that the the efficacy of a of a uh, of electronic fast is kind of dependent on this this last recommendation that we often have, and that is your ability to even talk with your kid about it in the first place. That's right. right. When you look at the APA guidelines and you look at a lot of the other um, organizations, what they recommend, you know, it all goes back to communication. You have to be able to talk to your kid about what's going on, about what they're using, and and if you don't have that type of relationship with your with your kid, you're not going to be able to do that. Yeah, if they feel threatened, if every time you bring up the topic of their phone, if they think you're looking for reasons to take it, they're not going to be honest with you. They're not going to have these discussions. And so when you talk to your kids, you're going to have to do it in a way that's not accusatory or judgmental. Otherwise, you're not going to get the information that you're seeking. Right. So so as we wrap this up, um, we, you know, the relationship is, is very important. It is you know, critical to, to the, you know, all of these other things being effective Um, parents, if you're going to, before you have that conversation, you need to educate yourself. You need to know what the devices are used for, what the apps are. Um, You can't go into a conversation with your kid about, you know, MySpace, if you remember. (laughs) Um, And you can't go in talking about, you know, that kind of stuff antiquated 
um, social right. media uh, platforms, but then all of a sudden expect your kid to, you know, listen <laughs> to you and, and and think that you have any idea what they're going through or what they're experiencing. So you That's need right. to educate yourself <laughs> before you go to talk to them. Yeah, you need to know about these things. I'll sit and ask parents. I said, well, does your child use Discord? And they say, I've never heard of Discord. Right. But you need to hear about this stuff. You need right. to know. I'll I'll, I'll ask a, a kid, a 16 or 17 year old, use Discord. And they said, oh, no, that's that's so yesterday. We're using something else entirely. Yes. OK. <laughs> and so it's very difficult to keep up because, remember, they're out um, mining each other for information. Right. Um, you need to know which apps are problem or are dangerous. You know, mm-hmm. you need to educate yourself about that. But you have to have the courage yeah. and the will to parent. And the last bit of advice is you got to lead by example. Right. I mean, you can't you can't be ha- you can't be with your device twenty four hours a day and tell your child that they can't. Well, you can, but you're going to say, "Well, I'm an adult and I know how to do this." Right. No, when it comes to social media, none of us are are really adults. Um, you have to lead by example. If you're putting your phone in the safe at night, it's going to be a lot easier to convince your child to put the phone in the safe at night. Right. And and, and uh, bets are that if you're spending uh, that much time on your device and on social media, uh, there are probably lots of things that you aren't getting done either. So <laughs> exactly. Uh, all this, everything that we said applies to adults. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You, know, if you get home and you're on your phone for the rest of the night. You're 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 not doing some things that you should be doing. Absolutely. Yes. All right. That is it for today. There are, like I said, there's a link in the show notes to that um, March 2023 uh, podcast that we did on um, um, 168 hour rule. Uh, We have, there's also a couple links to some um, articles in there. So check those out. And um, you know what? Bets are we will be talking about uh, this again at, at some point because uh, this will never go away. This is just going to continue to be. A no, it's probably it'll probably be much worse ten years from now. You know, we we said from twenty eleven to today, and then twenty ten years from now, we have artificial intelligence and other things coming up. So yeah, it's, it, it'll change again. Absolutely, but until then, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid. <laughs>